0: Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey y'all. Alright, so uh, we did skip last week, we do apologize for that. Elle got their vaccine. Um, Yeah, I
1: was exhausted. Yeah,
0: but exciting because you got your vaccine.
1: Indeed. Yeah, I mean, thrilled y'all. I got my first shot. I was tired for a couple of days, but nothing, and nothing compared to the fact that I will be immune soon, so. Oh,
0: I'm so excited for you. I'm so jealous
1: of you. I'm very oh. excited.
0: All right. Um, but so now that we are back this week, what are we talking about on the podcast this week?
1: So I think we kind of mentioned it in our last episode, the week before last, but we're going to be talking about gender euphoria. Mm-hmm. In part, because in our personal lives, it's been such a relevant topic around my plans of top surgery.
0: Right, right. And I think that we mentioned in the last episode, too, that the reason that we started talking about non-binary top surgery was because we originally had intended to talk about euphoria. But in talking about euphoria, we can not really talk about top surgery.
1: I struggle to talk about things that are not top surgery right now, y'all. It's real. (laughs) It's it's an issue I have, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. Right. So let's
0: start off a little bit with what is gender euphoria specifically yeah do we I think, have a good like working definition that we could use
1: i think that all too often is the definition of euphoria comes from our definition of dysphoria which like i hate that our community is so painfully aware of dysphoria and what it is and what it feels like but like so many people in our community don't even know like euphoria is not in their language like that's not a word we uh-huh. use very often which is a a big part of what we talk about when we talk about gender euphoria and we talk about gender identity is like this idea that it'd be awesome to identify ourselves by our euphoria as opposed to our dysphoria so sorry i got i i went ahead but
0: that yeah that is (laughs) that is the crux of the whole discussion around gender euphoria
1: yeah but euphoria is i mean it's what it basically sounds like it's the opposite of dysphoria Mm -hmm. it's not the absence of dysphoria i think is really important to note it is something that is actively very positive so like looking in your, the mirror and like seeing yourself as the gender you want to see and that gives you all those good feelings euphoria yeah yeah <laughs> or like somebody successfully using your pronouns that you were maybe skeptical of them being able to do so and that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy euphoria <laughs>
0: right right yeah gender euphoria i think is like it's a feeling of alignment and like in some in some like really in some ways delight i think yeah
1: i think it's like excitement because also something that's important is dysphoria is specific to gender identity dysphoria Mm -hmm. when you have quote-unquote dysphoria about something else like if you have an eating disorder and you misperceive yourself as fatter than you are that's called dysmorphia there's a whole nother word for it if it's not gendered dysphoria only exists in gendered contexts euphoria doesn't euphoria Mm -hmm. like euphoria is a strong word that's associated with like abuse cycle discussions like that is a big Mm -hmm. part of that it's also a word that's associated with drugs like ecstasy like euphoric like that feeling of like almost kind of like unreasonable excitement and i think that makes sense too because like often when i think of gender euphoria it's like things that are relatively small that you feel perhaps unreasonably thrilled about and that's because yeah you're queer yeah
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a good point. I didn't, I guess I never really thought of the, the, the idea of gender euphoria as being, like, the word that is used for it is so tied to some things that, though the word euphoria does mean, like, good feeling, Mm -hmm. it is tied to some kind of negative connotations around.
1: Yeah, because it's, like, outside of, so I, I brought up the, like, abuse cycle, and that's. That's where I first started connecting with the term euphoria because I was in an abusive relationship for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I struggled to explain to my partner at the time, not Josie, (laughs) my abusive (laughs) partner, (laughs) this concept that I was like, we fight and we fight and we fight. And then something magical happens. I could never explain how we made up, which is, that's part of the abuse. And then we feel phenomenal for a really long time. But that feeling of happiness wasn't real. It wasn't, it wasn't like genuine, like baseline happiness it was a outlier it was something
0: momentary
1: it was something ephemeral and the word for that in like the in like the psychological community like when you're discussing the like pathology of abuse is still euphoria and similarly okay. like it's like drugs so it's like these moments that it's like this is not I realized that I feel happy wearing dresses and so I'm just going to wear dresses. That's just, like, feeling good. Mm -hmm. But, like, this is, like, catch yourself in the mirror and you're like, holy god, this is amazing. Like, I've never felt so incredible that, like, I looked the way that I wanted to.
0: Right, right. I think that that is an important point because when when you talk about gender in general, Mm -hmm. the thing that people usually focus on is dysphoria and how, like, There is a very large push in especially lots of transmedicalist communities Mm -hmm. um, and in a lot of legislature Mm -hmm. that you need to suffer. I mean, full stop, people just want trans people to suffer.
1: Well, people don't want me to, I don't. I don't think that's... I think that's an oversimplification. That's fair. that's fair. I think that people think that transness is a disorder. Right. And so if you are disordered, you should be suffering from that. Right. Otherwise, you're not really disordered. And if I think that transness and just being disordered are one and the same, you can't be trans if you're not suffering. Because you can't be disordered if you're not suffering. That's a fair
0: point. That's it has its
1: roots in the fact that like homosexuality was in the DSM until like the frickin' seventies. Right. I've right. been doing a lot of gay history recently, y'all. We'll probably have an episode on that.
0: <laughs> probably. We should. That would be a good one.
1: People don't want trans people to be suffering. People assume that trans people have to suffer because transness is an illness.
0: Right. And because of that, people assume that dysphoria is a constant state of being, that you are always dysphoric until you are not, mm-hmm. or that you are always at su- in, at some level dysphoric. Yeah. And I, I think that might be true for some people.
1: I definitely think it's true for some people. I mm-hmm. I have theories about there are different there's transness that is up higher and lower on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some people, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, like, whole storyline of, like, I was born into the wrong body, and ever since my first day of puberty, I've known that this is wrong, and my body was betraying me. That's very low on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Those people experience dysphoria the same way that they experience hunger, and right. that is real, and that right. is so valid. Yeah. I not like that. <laughs> right. So yeah.
0: Go and on. and as a note on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because I just had a moment of being like low. Um, the low things on Maslow's hierarchy are high priority. Yeah, because there. you need
1: them to. So it goes from like food and physical safety to like basic emotional well being so somebody cares for you to things like um, being able to learn and being able to take in new information to new experiences to like, Spiritual actualization is at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of mm. needs, yeah. I think. It's like a pyramid. It's a pyramid. So you yeah. need, you need the based, base. It, you need the base before yeah. you can get to the top. And for
0: some people, the kind of trans experience, as everybody thinks of it, like you said, exists at the base. And right. then for some people, possibly like me and you, it Definitely. exists slightly higher up, not quite like at the spiritual enlightenment level.
1: Right. I think that because like, I think that there are some people who. Right. literally can't get out of bed if they're not being perceived in the correct gender and if they right. are not if they are not being accepted in their in their gender and then there are some people like me who probably wouldn't have gone on this journey had I not already had like a lot of good safety like all of my needs were met I was in a relationship with somebody who's queer. like I I needed a lot of things before I could access my own gender journey right and that's like I think it's fraught because that is kind of, right, this is the same argument that people make to be like, we should triage who gets surgeries and gender-affirming care first Mm -hmm. because some people need it. worse. And, like, so there has to be a limit, and this conversation can only be had amongst people who are already woke and understand that, like, the medical system is fucked and we don't need to triage anything because anybody who wants gender-affirming care should have access to it. Like, I'm not saying that, Mm -hmm. like some people literally like we should build policies around this but i do think it's an interesting note that some people do experience transness in a much more like pathologized way like in a way where like they are experiencing this distress and they are experiencing Mm -hmm. this discomfort on a daily basis on a daily basis and an ongoing like for years and years and years and like cute little memes and shit don't help them (laughs) right
0: right and so like i think that You know, those sorts of folks might experience dysphoria on a day-to-day basis. But for a lot of trans people, dysphoria is kind of a moment-to-moment thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I know for me personally, I don't really experience dysphoria until I feel perceived incorrectly. Mm -hmm. I think of some really uh, distinctive moments in my life of gender dysphoria, of like, I have a really distinctive memory of one time i used to work in a a lab and so we would often talk not looking at each other which was a challenge for me because my being hard of hearing for other reasons (laughs) and so we would often you know just kind of like chat while we did our lab work i had just joined this lab um everybody was really really nice about at least saying that they were going to try and be cool about my gender and this one girl like literally never misgendered me she was probably the person who was like the most on top of her shit But she wasn't looking at me, and she heard me speaking, and she referred to me as he, him, because Mm -hmm. my voice is a little bit lower. Mm. And that really hit me hard. Right. But, like, usually my voice doesn't bother me. I think I've talked about on this podcast before that I kind of like my voice. I think my voice is really, like, nice. (laughs) And so, like, for me, dysphoria comes in those kind of more, like fleeting moments and when they're there they're there they hit hard
1: mm-hmm. but
0: they're not the my constant state of being and I think euphoria is similar yeah where like I feel gender euphoria sometimes when my hair curls the exact right way and I'm like wow that's exactly how I want my hair to curl that looks so good I look so feminine right now and lovely or if I wear a certain clothing right um and like back in the beginning of my transition when people gendered me correctly even right would just like give me gender euphoria
1: yeah and I think that I think euphoria also, like I said, like it's not a specifically trans experience. I think cis people also have those moments of being like, wow, I look phenomenal when they right. look in a mirror. And like, that's great. Like this yeah. is a more shared experience. But I think that, I just think our community could be a little, I, th- I think we could be a little more positive if we focused on like the shared experience of feeling euphoria in a gender that is different than your assigned gender. Mm-hmm as the marker of being trans as opposed to dysphoria.
0: And I think that's kind of where this episode ultimately comes from. Like that's, that's ultimately where we want to kind of talk here because if you're in the gender expansive community, you probably are aware of this, but a lot of what defines being considered trans Mm -hmm. is dysphoria. Like, there, is an, there are people who argue that you aren't trans unless you're dysphoric.
1: Those people are wrong, those may people, I just say. Those
0: people are wrong. I think I've talked about before that, like, sometimes that can be a challenging thing to say because you can't always recognize dysphoria if you don't really know what you're looking for. Like, Yeah. But also some people just don't experience it or don't experience it as, like, acutely as others.
1: And I mean, like, it, it's well rooted in, like... In our recent, y'all, sorry, I've done, I literally, all I'm consuming right now is gay history. Like, I'm really deep in it. Yeah, you're Um, about
0: to, there's some pathologization.
1: There's, yeah, but self-pathologization. I don't know if that's a word, but we're making it a word right now. I was gonna say, is that a word? I don't know. But there is something to be said for, like, within the last 50 years, And arguably still to this day, but like definitely more so in the last 50 years, being gender non conforming in any way. So I'm talking about drag queens, I'm talking about drag kings who do exist and get erased a lot, which is unfortunate. Mm, I have a friend who's a drag king. Yeah, phenomenal. We need to bring them back. Well, not bring them back. We just need to give them the spotlight. That's Mm, what we
0: need. They got a New York Times article. They did! (laughs) They saw that.
1: (laughs) Anyway, but there is a time like in our very recent history, I'm talking 60s and 70s, where to express any amount of gender. Nonconformity was literally illegal. Right. And so was, like, sodomy and shit. But, like, sodomy and shit stopped being as, like, policed. But, like, when gay bars got raided... They would let the gay men go for the most part and keep people who are gender non-conforming to actually arrest. Mm -hmm. Or they would arrest everybody, but they'd let the gay men go like without actually charging them, whatever. There was lots of different layers. I'm not trying to say gay men were not oppressed. I I don't want to come across that way they were too. But like in our very recent history, it was a huge, like unimaginably hard to imagine for me in this day and age burden to be even remotely gender non-conforming and so we as a community the only people that we know who are like you know over the age of freaking 50 right now and who are gender non-conforming and have been like they only would have been gender non-conforming if they were experiencing something worse in their in their like hidden closet itself. Right? Like, there were there was not this idea of like, what I'm doing, where I'm like, hey, like, I'm, I mean, less so now, but like two years ago, I was like, I'm genuinely happy being a cis woman. But like, I think it could be really neat (laughs) to like, explore this gender thing. Right. And like, that's, that's a difficult thing to put back in its box. Like, I'm not sure I could go back to that. But like, I never would have done that if I could have been arrested For not wearing three pieces of feminine clothing. Right. You know, like, it just wouldn't have happened. There has to be, like, an equal and opposite pressure pushing you out of the closet. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think it's something important to acknowledge that, like, it's beautiful that we currently live in a day and age, at least, like, here in the U.S., in, like, our space of the U.S., because, again... A lot of places, it's not true of. But in our space in the US, and in our relatively privileged circles that we run in of being middle to middle upper class, there is not a whole ton keeping you in the closet as like a like a like closet quote unquote cis person. Yeah. Like you can kinda like gender exploration is pretty normalized amongst people that I hang out with at least. Mm-hmm. You can find avenues for it. And you like can you find said, avenues. That,
0: that's not like that's not universal even across no. the US. Yet. And I mean
1: I'm struggling to access gender affirming care despite having fucking two trans therapists. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, like I'm not trying to say that there are no barriers right now to being trans, because that's obviously not true. Mm -hmm. But the barriers are miles shorter than they were even 40, 50 years ago. And I think that that's still important to acknowledge. So that's part of the reason that even within the community, because 40 to 50 years, we don't, that's that's not even one generation of queer people. Like, it's still our queer parents, you know? And that population is like, well, if you're gonna come out here and like, try to live as your actual gender, your opposite gender, or whatever the fuck, however you want to say that, then you must be in a lot of pain to want to do that because it's a scary fucking thing to do. And I think there are genuinely, especially young kids right now, like the freaking TikTokers, the the, the Gen Z kids, they are just like, I don't want to fuck with gender because I don't want to fuck with gender. It's not that big of a goddamn deal. Right,
0: right. (laughs) It's becoming normalized enough that it's no longer like a scary thing to have to do. It no longer needs to be driven by pain it can be driven by joy mhm and like yeah i think that that is the crux of something that i really vibe with yeah. is that i think that gender is gender is a social construct
1: yes the patriarchy
0: obviously. sucks
1: but social constructs still have fucking teeth
0: they do and they also do in like social constructs also have like purposes and sometimes mm-hmm. they're really really bad and oppressive purposes mm-hmm. but like Gender can be super fun. Yeah. Like you can really derive a lot of joy from gender and Mm -hmm. from like being able to connect with people who vibe with your same gender or who are your gender but different ways. And like you can derive that joy and that community and I feel like that should be the driving force as to how we kind of, like, consider transness, consider mm-hmm. gender queerness, consider just queerness in general. That, that... And gender
1: nonconformity in general, too. Yeah. Because this also, what this kind of is making me think of um, is also, like, there's, there's this ongoing debate that I ca- occasionally hear pop up in the... Um, gender nonconforming circles of cis people who use like she they usually usually it's cis women who also want to use they i'm not sure i've ever heard of a cis man wanting to do this it'd be cool but it'd be lit
0: it'd be really cool if you want to (laughs)
1: um but of cis women who like identify as cis women who want to use she they because like fuck the patriarchy goals you know like right. they still they're they're they still associate themselves with to some extent with the gender queer community because they don't want to be capital w women and like capital w wives and like you know homemakers like that they, mm-hmm. they don't want to be associated with like that brand of femininity mm-hmm. and that and the history behind that and, guess, the history, and the history and the history and the pressure behind it yeah I think that that is another example of this, like, we can be driven by different forces and still arrive at the same beautiful genderqueer space. Right. Like, I'm not sure that those cis women who want to use she, they are necessarily driven by joy, although perhaps joy of freedom, I'm not sure. I don't know any women right. who fall into this category.
0: And and I think that importantly, we like we mentioned, there are people whose kind of Mazov's hierarchy of their gender, like they do experience this for you every day. And saying that we can only define the community by joy does maybe make that, that group of people feel a little bit alienated.
1: Yes. And because, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think this has to be an either or. Like, yeah. I don't think it does. I think we can have to define it by many things. And I think that the only reason that I think that we posed it a bit as an either or in the beginning is right now the culture as I see it my, like, bubbles of the mm-hmm. non-cis culture are very dominated by dysphoria-driven right. thoughts. And, and and so I want to introduce extra, like, I want more joy-driven thoughts. Right. But that could open the door to, like, other, like, fuck the patriarchy ideas, like, gender fucky, like, I am still cis, but, like, I just don't like people to be able to identify me as cis because I think that's fun. Phenomenal. 10 out of 10. Use they. <laughs> <laughs> like, have a great old time. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that... Another kind of note on that, like, we're not trying to flip the script over now be like, you can only be trans if you find joy in it. Right, no, no, no. But, like, I think that right now, the... Because also,
1: trans people are allowed to be out here just, like, living. They don't have to be fucking joyous that they're allowed to be trans every day. That's not it either. Yeah, we don't
0: have to be thankful. (laughs)
1: That's not it either. We don't (laughs) have to be
0: thankful for being allowed to be um, legally surviving in this country. Mm. But, like, I think that, similarly, right now, the culture is kind of wrapped up in this idea that it is dysphoria or nothing. And I think that's fading. I think that's changing. I think it's
1: changing. I do think it's changing.
0: I think that's changed even since I came out.
1: Yep. I think it's changing. I still, I read a memoir recently. This is not part of my gay history. I think I put this in the new year book review, but it was called raising them. And it was about raising a child without assigning them a gender Mm -hmm. using they, them for them. And in it, It's written by the mother of the child who eventually goes by she because raising a gender neutral child has sent them on their own gender journey, which I think (laughs) is phenomenal. I recommend this book highly. But the mother, she said something in the book that really stuck with me. And she was I think it was the direct quote was like, I know that Zoomer. That's the kid's name. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Um, I know that Zoomer is going to be part of, like, the least gendered or the most non-binary generation. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. This is a kid that was born in, like, I want to say 2016. Like, they were super young by the time that this memoir came out. And it came out really recently. They Mm -hmm. were just entering preschool when the memoir came out. Right. I hope that the mom writes another book because I would love to hear one of, like, this kid's grade school days. Although then stop being up to write about your children when they become whole actual children not babies yeah uh, um but whatever that's a whole that's a whole different thought but this quote about like this generation which like i don't even think that's going to be gen z that's going to be the next alpha generation or whatever it is we're calling them i think
0: it's called generation alpha yeah because we're out of because we ran out of letters somehow
1: we never we didn't have uh, okay that's that's a different argument <laughs> um <laughs> But, like, this kid's going to be part of Generation Alpha, so it's, like, even beyond Generation Z. And that just really stuck with me, because I think it's true. Like, think about how many people, millennials, which, like, I only halfway identify as, but, like, millennials in our generation. Mm-hmm. That was, like, the big wave of binary trans people being, like, accepted and, right. you know, loved. It was Laverne Cox. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this is a big deal. It was, um, the fuck's her name? um Caitlyn
0: Jenner? Jenner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: So, like, it was the big wave of young adults accepting binary trans people which left some holes in my opinion but i mean but it
0: also let me get swept up into being well not swept up into being trans i was not writing a fad (laughs) i just realized the gay agenda (laughs) i just i but that that kind of i i came out on the tail end of that like
1: well that's and you are a millennial because i am josie's one year older than me and a millennial she doesn't get to claim Gen Z like I, I do.
0: Have, I, have no, I have no skin in the game with Gen Z. I admire Gen Z from a distance and I understand maybe you can, 30% of you what can Gen tell, Z does. You
1: can tell because I'm the only person in this household who watches TikToks. So that's why you know I'm Gen Z and Josie's a
0: millennial. Sometimes Gen Z TikToks show up on my Tumblr, which is increasingly becoming an old people website, which is really, really concerning. It's the new
1: MySpace. Wait, we are off topic. I was making a point. I was making a point okay my point was millennials were the age of accepting that that binary trans people exist and are cool and can be famous and can be like you know stars and whatever Mm -hmm. i think that gen z is going to be kind of like the generation of accepting that like first off gender is fucking stupid i don't Mm -hmm. think millennials got that far i don't think trans binary people get that far necessarily like i think that gen z is gonna be the first one that's like wait fuck all of this like because even like even the young trans community even the young binary trans community has a lot of skin in this like femboy aesthetics and Mm -hmm. like male to female masculinity and female to male femininity did i get those right you know what i mean like being Mm -hmm. binary trans but then expressing the expression of your assigned gender huge in the the gen z Mm -hmm. trans community yeah and so like if we follow this logically out, I feel like Generation Alpha could be the first generation that's like, I don't identify as trans. I just identify as whatever the fuck I identify as. Why do we have to take my birth certificate into account? Like, get fucked. Right. And like, that could be totally untrue. You know, there's a lot of things that are happening right now. Generation Alpha, we could just like, we could be living under the ocean before Generation Alpha gets to be full grown adults.
0: <laughs> um, a lot could happen between now and Generation Alpha turning 18. That is... <sighs> that's a long span of time
1: yeah but like but i do think that there is some truth that like i mean generation alpha is going to be raised by bitches like us and like our kid is not going to know what gender is like our kid is going (laughs) to get a very different concept of what the fuck the social construct of gender is
0: that's true that's true and looping it all the way back around i think that the way that we're going to end up raising a child would be with that kind of framework of Right. gender is a joyful experience like right. gender is what makes you and feel... if it's
1: not joyful you don't have to have it
0: yeah and like that so gender is what makes you feel if not good neutral because right. like i mean that's that's where i live right now a lot of my time like like you said right. we as trans people don't have to be constantly joyous and grateful that we can be trans i like i like just existing in my gender <laughs> you know i like to just existing, chill.
1: existing is cool yo <laughs>
0: like it's kind of just neat to be able to sit around and be like alive and have a body that I don't hate and not like, be
1: arrested in bars I mean bringing it yeah, back into that like right I mean, right
0: but also like I do derive moments of like pretty intense joy right. from various parts of my gender expression yeah. and I understand from what you tell me that you also yeah. derive some pretty intense joy from various super duper gender queer aesthetics that you phenomenal you know tap into and other like Gender experiences.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that part of Generation Alpha being like kind of the most non gendered, (laughs) I keep wanting to call them the most non binary generation, but I feel like that's just putting my own agenda on (laughs) them. I'm (laughs) going to go with the least gendered generation. Mm -hmm. It's also that then they're free to pursue whatever drives they have in terms of gender. Like and again, not all of them. Again, there's going to still be complications. Again, you know, barriers still 100% exist, but mm-hmm. they will be more free to be driven by like, "Oh, hey, I feel really joyous when I get to like hang out with the boys in the boys locker room. That just brings me a lot of joy. Maybe I'll do that again." Like, or, "Hey, I feel really joyous with my hair super long and like braiding ribbons into it and shit." Yeah. Or like, "Hey, I feel like I don't like any of that." can i just like fuck off and then yes you can or like but they so that'll be all the joy ones but they can also like i don't actually like dressing in dresses but i like hanging out with the girls what does that make me i don't know there's a billion and one labels you can pick one yeah like yeah. or it could
0: just make you a woman and or it could like they just we just you know That's what being, like, being a woman doesn't really have a set definition.
1: But that could be, like, kind of more the social, like, draw Mm -hmm. of it rather than, like, euphoria. Or there still can and probably will be children who, like, hit puberty and their fucking titties start to develop and they're like, what the fuck are these? Get them off. Right. (laughs) You know, and that's phenomenal, too. Like, you can still be more, like, dysphoria-driven how we currently think of that, but, like... There'll just be so many more options, you know?
0: Right. And that's that's the goal that as a community I think the queer community should be working towards is I don't know, I just I don't vibe with gatekeeping in general.
1: I don't vibe with gatekeeping at all. The
0: more people in our community, the more people who have skin in the game with this, like
1: you identify as an attack helicopter, what does that mean to you? I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> and like and like Do you identify as violent? <laughs> Indestructible? That's super cool. Identifying as indestructible? Phenomenal.
0: <laughs> God, turn it on their heads. Yeah. Turn their shitty transphobic rhetoric on their heads.
1: That's always what I think. So, I mean, we kind of dipped into this when we talked about like emoji self pronouns. Like, do mm-hmm. I think emoji self pronouns are the longest standing? form of gender expression that will ever exist? Probably not. They don't seem all that practical in a lot of contexts. But if it brings you joy right now, fuck yes. Like, why not? Same with if you want to identify as an attack helicopter. I don't think anybody ever has. But, like, if you genuinely do, if you think that'd be lit, because whatever, fine, phenomenal, because, 10 out of 10.
0: <laughs> because, and I really don't mean this in a flip point, but because you're 15 and you're exploring your gender and you found, like, this one specific thing that, like, really did vibe with you and it gave <laughs> you the most, the most intense shot of gender euphoria you ever experienced in your life, and you're like, yes, I do identify as an attack helicopter mom. <laughs> and then, like, four weeks later, you're like, okay, perhaps maybe that was not... My entire identity. And, like,
1: that's fine. Really? I feel like, also, because, like, maybe this was just, I wasn't cis when I was a kid. But also, like, all kids want to do that shit. All kids at some point are like, I identify as whatever the fuck. And you could just be like, cool, man. Live your life. If you still, cool. Like, whatever. Like, not withholding. Not in like, we'll wait and see. Like, this is probably just a phase. But just, like, cool. Like, amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a phase. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like, yeah, you, you're you doing this now. That's great. Like, let's lean into it. You're identifying as a woman now. Phenomenal. Let's go get you some nail polish. Like, let's chill. Yeah. And then, like, if it is a phase, great. Now you're not a woman anymore. Phenomenal. If it isn't, great. Phenomenal. We can, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think Keep that, doing things. And it's just in pursuit of joy. And in pursuit of wholeness. And in like, pursuit
1: of whatever feels best.
0: Yeah. And, like, in framing the kind of gender expansive and gender non-conforming and trans communities around like we are the community that is trying to help people find what feels best about themselves like that would be a beautiful community to build right and like I think that that is the direction that we should be at least trying to tug in yeah and I don't know I kind of think we are a little bit I think I think I think think we're moving in the right direction I think that I think that it is happening I think
1: the young ones are right (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. So is there anything else that you want to touch on or any maybe summary points you want to get to okay, here yeah. with me, gender euphoria?
1: Let me do some remembering. So let me do the summary points. Summary points are that there are many ways to define transness. And right now, perhaps our community is weighted a little bit too much in the dysphoria. So like maybe we can think about defining transness by euphoria and joy. That'd be lit. But there are like literally innumerable ways to define gender, some of which we talked about, but like some of which i'm sure we're just completely unaware of because yeah. we weren't we weren't part of the most genderless um, mm-hmm. generation we had to fight yeah. the gender roles that were forced on us
0: yeah the next generation will be defining these things in even more new ways right. and it'll be beautiful
1: right and i think also an important like summary note is like here Josie and i were talking about the next generation i think very much in our mind thinking of like our kiddo and we're planning on raising our kiddo without assigning a gender so like mm-hmm. we're thinking of a very specific bubble of this culture I don't want people outside of this country or in specific places in this country to be like um I don't know what fantasy world you're living in because yes like
0: we are living in a
1: different world than a lot of trans folk are um this is just our thoughts from our decently privileged little bubble
0: yeah that's a good point yeah
1: Yeah. I mean it's important to remember that like there are still people who are literally fearful of being murdered especially non-white Non-gender uh, yeah. conforming people, so th- there are. We still have leaps and bounds to go um, before we will really reach like the utopia we've kind of been discussing. But I think mm-hmm. it's still important to think about where we're going.
0: Yeah, yeah. You gotta be forward. You gotta you gotta look forward to things. Visionary,
1: so. visionary fiction, my dude. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs>
0: well. I think that is going to just about do it for us here on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. Thank you all so much for listening. And uh, as always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys, composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.